Hashem sefasai tiftach Ufiyagin tihinasecha Hashem sefasai tiftach Ufiyagin Hello and welcome to Praying on Purpose. Several months ago, we spent a considerable amount of time trying to identify the relationship between prayer, the way we know it today, and the Avodas Hamikdash, the worship which took place in the Beis Hamikdash, which, on a practical level, for all intents and purposes, has not been part of our experience for two thousand years. And we considered the possibility that although there are clear parallels and connections between prayer and the Avodas Hamikdash, they do exist simultaneously on two separate tracks. So we found, for example, that our rabbis tell us that Tfilos Avos Tiknum, that Avimitzkin Yaakov, were responsible. They were sort of the trailblazers that introduced and initiated the inspiration for Tfilos Shachos Menchemariv. But nevertheless, Chazal also tell us that the Tfilos were instituted in a way which correspond to the sacrifices, to the kabanos that were brought on a daily basis in the Beis HaMikdash. And so therefore, there's no question about it that although tefillah exists independently of karbanos, there is a very, very important and inherent connection. And as I mentioned on Sunday, now that we are returning to the parshios of Truma, Tetzaveh, and in a couple of weeks, Vayakob Akudeh, so it would be a great opportunity to really reflect on this a little more thoughtfully. And what I'd like to share with you briefly this morning are insights which come from the introduction of the Sefer Rav Schwab on prayer. Towards the end of his life, Rav Shimon Schwab's Chornel of Racha gave Shiurim on tefillah, which were transcribed and written into an extraordinary book. And I highly recommend it for anybody who's looking to gain more insight into his or her prayer. And Rav Schwab has a thesis in this introduction, which is so incredible and so remarkable. I discovered this accidentally, I would say, maybe about 20 years ago, perhaps a little less. And although I can't say that I think about this each and every day, I have never forgotten it. It is an extraordinary idea. And he basically demonstrates that the order of the tefillos, the way they appear in our Siddur, closely resemble the architecture of the Beis HaMikdash itself. And so he's going to walk us through, and I'm going to try to follow his lead and do the same with you. Ideally, I would share with you now a visual illustration of the Beis HaMikdash so you can walk through the blueprint, if you will, as we explore this together. But you'll have to be on your own for that. If you have access to a picture of the Beis HaMikdash, it may actually be very helpful. So he says, to begin with, the entrance of the Beis HaMikdash was through what is called the Ezras Nashim. And although that means the courtyard for women, this was not an area that was reserved exclusively for women, but people would assemble there before the doors of the Beis HaMikdash opened each and every day. There's a pasuk in Tehillim, Hine baruchu es Hashem, kol Hashem omdim Hashem Behold, bless Hashem, all your servants who stand in the house of Hashem in the nights. Meaning, this is a pasuk that seems to reflect that although there were no karbanos that were brought at night, the doors of the heichal were not opened, and the avodah did not begin until the signal was given the next day, as described in the Gemara Tamid. But nevertheless, there were avdi Hashem, there were people who were gathered in the Ezra's Nashim in the early pre-dawn hours in eager anticipation, waiting for the opening of the heichal doors. And while they were there, what would they do? So many would recite Tehillim, others would recite other prayers, others would study Torah. This was the place where the king read from the Torah during Hakel. It was a place of the Simchas Beis HaShoeva. This was a place of general assembly. This place of gathering, the Ezra Snashim, corresponds, explains to Schwab, 
to the part of our Siddur which precedes the actual Shachra service. So, for example, Adon Olam, Now, during this part of the davening, some people might also say Tehillim or other Tachinos, others may say Mamodos. All of these are similar to the sort of activities which took place in the Ezra's Nashim prior to the opening of the doors of the Hechel. Now, in between the Ezra's Nashim and the Ezra's Yisrael, there were 15 steps. Famous 15 steps, which was sort of the inspiration for the 15 Prakim of Tehillim called Shir Hamalos, the songs that would be sung by the Levium on the steps. Points out of Shwab, it is striking that we have 15 Berchus Hashachar, the first of which, continuing through Hamavir Shena. And this last bracha corresponds to our impending arrival at the Ezra Yisrael, access which is limited exclusively to the Jewish people. Now, as we arrive at this point, we are facing the great entrance gates to the Azara, called Shar Nikonur, and we leave the entire non-Jewish world behind us. This area begins the Machane Shechina, the camp of the Shechina, and is off-limits to the rest of the world, as the Mishnah Maseches Kalim on the first parak tells us. And so, therefore, as part of our prayers, we allude to this when we say, We declare at this point in our davening that although we are part of a greater world community, at this point we identify our unique status as the Jewish people. At this point we find ourselves in the Ezra Yisrael, and this is an area which is designated exclusively for B'nai Yisrael, and it is this area that we allude to in our ongoing fila to Hashem Elokeinu, to gather in those who yearn for you from the four corners of the earth. At that time I will bring you and others. We pray for the time that we may come together as a people in this place. And continuing forward, we reach the Ezra's Kohanim. This is an area which, of course, is reserved for Kohanim only. The front of this area was delineated by a platform called the Duchan, and it consisted of three steps where the Kohanim would recite the threefold bracha, the bracha hamushaleshes. And it is this point that correspondingly we say the Birchsa Torah, followed by the threefold Birchus Kohanim, all again appropriate for this place and this setting. Directly ahead lies the Mizbeach, the altar. And corresponding to this, it is here that we recite the Parsha Satamid, the portion of the Torah regarding the daily carbon offerings, as well as the Counterpart from Mishnah is Omakoman, containing all of the basic laws of Karbanos. So the Seder Karbanos that we recite as part of our Shachar's prayers are recited in our minds as we are standing in this section of the Beis Amigdash. Further on, beyond the Mizbeach, is an area called Bein HaUlam Vila Mizbeach, between the Ulam Hall and the Mizbeach. This has an even higher Kedusha, and there were 12 steps leading up to the Ulam, which, counting the floor, totals 13 steps. And therefore, very fittingly, says Rav Schwab, it is this point that we recite the Braisa, Rabbi Shmuel Omer, Bishlosh Esrei Midos. Rabbi Shmuel says that there were 13 rules, again corresponding to the 13 steps. We now arrive at the Ulam, the antechamber, which leads to the Heichal. And the Navi Zechariah tells us that we find that the Navi was commanded to make two crowns of gold and silver, which were eventually to be used for the Melech HaMashiach and the Kohen Gadol. And these crowns were placed in the windows in the ceiling of the Heichal. And the Mishnah tells us that the young Kohanim, the Pirche Kuhuna, would climb up the gold chains that hung from the ceiling in the Ulam to see these crowns. And Rav tells us that these chains are alluded to by the words of Pesuket which are linked and interconnected like a chain. 
and specifically, we're not going to go into the details right now, the Tefillah of Yehi Chavod, which we recited in the Pesuka de Zimra, is composed in this link fashion. Pesuka de Zimra begins with the Baruch of Baruch Shomar, which corresponds to the Pesach Ulam, the entrance of the Ulam. Pesuka de Zimra corresponds to the Ulam itself, and at the conclusion of Pesuka de Zimra, we symbolically leave the Ulam by saying Yishtabach. We then arrive symbolically at the Pesach HaHechal, the entrance of the Hechal, which architecturally is very similar to the Pesach Ulam, and it's for this reason that the words of Baruch Shamar and Yishtabach are very similar. And we now enter the Hechal, also known as the Kodesh, the holy place. On our right, we find the Shulchan, and on the left, we see the Menorah. And they are represented by the two brachos that we recite before Kriya Shema. First, Yotzer Or of Arechoshech, the one who forms light and creates darkness, and this corresponds to the Shulchan. This is something which is discussed at much greater length later in this book, but basically Rav Schwab explains that the Shulchan corresponds to the first brach of Yotzer Or, in which we reflect upon the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself to us through the physical world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates a remarkable world, and by us connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the Bria, we come close to him. And this is the concept of the Shulchan, which of course contains Alecham upon him, representing this world. There is, of course, a lot more to discuss here, but in short, the Brach of Yotzer Orev Arichoshach represents the material revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our lives. And the second Bracha is Avarabba, which asks for understanding of Torah, corresponding to the Menorah, which represents the spiritual revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Torah. In short, before we come to Kriya Shema, we focus on the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals Himself to us through the physical material world, and that is represented by the Shulchan, and through the spiritual world, as represented by the Menorah. The Rambam teaches us that there are two ways in which we can achieve a love and fear of Hashem. One way is through the physical approach, as the Rambam in Hilchus Yisodei Torah teaches, and there he describes how when we reflect upon the awesomeness of the entire physical world and the grandeur of creation, one is overcome with the desire to become close to the Creator, and this approach is reflected by the Brach of or alluding to the Shulchan, which represents our physical life. And the other method of connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is through Tama Torah, by learning Torah, which was reflected by the Brach of Avarabah, and this is symbolized by the menorah. And so therefore we see the way our tefillos have been composed, the way the Siddur has been constructed, is mirroring the architecture of the Beis HaMikdash. We now reach the Mizbeach HaKetoras, also known as the Mizbeach HaPnimi, the Mizbeach HaZov, the inner Mizbeach, the golden one, upon which the Ketoras, the incense, would be brought. And the purpose of this was to produce what the Torah says is a Reach Nichoach Lashem, a pleasant scent to Hashem, which symbolizes pure Avas Hashem, V'yiras Hashem. And while the outer Mizbeach is where we approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu with our material physical existence, including food and joy, this is expressed by the Menachos and the Nesachim. Here, at the Mizbeach HaKetores, we offer our Neshama to Hashem. And it's at this point in our tefillah that, of course, we say Shema Yisrael, in which we are commanded to give even our lives to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as we say, The idea of offering myself, my nefesh, my soul, my very existence to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this of course comes to a climactic moment when I say Kriya Shema, and this is represented at this place, at the very place where the Ketores would be offered. And we now advance to the great Paroches, the great curtain, which is adjacent to the Kodesh Kodashim. And this is symbolized in our tefillah of Geula, where we recognize the hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in bringing us close to Him, through Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and it's at this point that we pray for the future Geula. The halacha requires us to be Somech Geula L'Tfilah. We're going to have to talk about this concept 
another time. But in short, the idea of joining the bracha, which, in which we speak about our redemption in the past, to immediately begin Shemon Esrei. And finally, we now stand symbolically in the Kodesh Kadashim, alone with the Rabbonu Shalolam. Chazal tell us that when we daven Shemon Esrei, one should be mechavin libo keneged base kodshe hakadashim. When a person is davening Shemon Esrei, one should concentrate his thoughts as if he's standing in the Kodesh Kadashim. And as we've seen, if we pay attention from the moment we start davening, we walk our way through this very space, coming finally at this very, very powerful moment to the Kodesh Kadashim. And when the Tefillah Shemon Esrei is completed, we take three steps back. Back to the Heichal, back to the Ulam, and then back to the Yazara. And it is here that we repeat the Shemon Esrei in the place where the Tzibor gathered. And what do we do then? Then we recite the Chazar Sashats. We repeat the Shemon Esrei, which is, as Rav Schwab says, in the very place where the Tzibor gathered. And finally, as we continue to exit, we find ourselves back in the Ezra's Nashim, where we say various Tachinos and Slichos and Kriya Satora, Kedusha de Sidra, Mizmori Tehillim, etc. So this gives us an idea how the organization of our Tfilos by the Chachamim, by the Nevi'im, by the Anshe Knesset Skadola used the architecture of the Beis Amigdash as a blueprint for the Siddur. Siddur means the order, the order in which we are to be Mispalo. And that's why we call it a Siddur. Literally, that means order, because the order of the tefillah is the essence. It corresponds to this very special place. So I share this with you a little bit to whet your appetite, because there is so much more here, as you can see. But I think there's a tremendous value in this, particularly, like I said, this time of year, when we return to these parshios and chumash, and we have the opportunity to review and to learn and to study about what the actual structure of the Beis HaMikdash, the Mishkan, looked like, to understand and appreciate that while it has been many, many years Thousands of years, unfortunately, since we have stood in the Beis HaMikdash. We have only seen illustrations, depictions of the Mishkan of the Mikdash. We've never been there. At the same time, we do have the opportunity every single day to re-explore this place. We can examine and return to these very spaces through our davening. And I think there's great value in stopping at these points along the way, these stations, if you will, within our sitter, and looking around. You know, today they talk about virtual reality. A person could put on a pair of special glasses... And you look around and you find yourself in a virtual world. Davening with our Sidurim is, on a certain level, an experience of virtual reality. It's a virtual reality. We're brought to a place in which we can experience HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a very real way. But the experience of finding ourselves in the Beis HaMikdash virtually is an extraordinarily inspiring experience. May we be Zohar every time we daven to feel this, to appreciate this, and to feel the experience each and every day as if I'm standing in the holiest place on earth. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day.